0: Welcome to Digest & Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Dylan Holman and this week we have a special guest with the eToro Global Market Strategist Ben Ladler joining us. Thanks very much for
1: being here. Hi Dylan, hi everybody, great to be here. On the podcast today we'll be discussing
0: the crucial Q1 earnings season and the recently announced March Consumer Price Index report. First things first though Ben, what's been happening this last week?
1: Well it's been a busy week. I mean I guess sort of three things on my mind. I mean one, you know markets obviously continue to sort of march higher. Uh, S&P 500 in the U.S. is now up 10% so far this year. Uh, global equity is not far behind that. They're up 8%. This is very good performance, you know, in a historical context, you know, four months into the year. Uh, you know, if we, if, we, if we keep this up, this will be only the third year, uh, it to be the third year in a row, actually, that the U.S. has seen this sort of 10% sort of plus performance. And, and that's pretty rare, right? You've only seen that twice in the last sort of 50 years. So, you know, great performance. Second thing I would just say is, you know, tech is back in the driving seat here. I mean, the sector saw some weakness in February. Investors looking to favor sort of stocks more focused on the sort of economic reopening, Um, you know, bond yields rose. But since then, we've seen a very strong tech rebound. And and this, I think, feeds into the third thing I was just going to say we've been tracking is, you know, when you compare markets this year versus markets last year. You know, it's a much more balanced performance across markets. Basically, everything is sort of going up. If you remember last year, it was sort of tech and nothing else. Now, it's it's really everything across the board. And and that breadth actually is a really healthy sign.
0: Excellent. Okay, well, let's crack on with topic one then,
1: which is earnings season. So a
0: large number of publicly traded companies will soon be releasing their quarterly earnings reports. What are you expecting to see?
1: Well, first of all, you know, let let me say why I think this is so important and, and you're right to focus on it. I mean, there are only two ways that stocks go up, right? Either they grow their earnings, or for yep. whatever reason, we're prepared to pay more for those earnings. Um, and, you know, we're already paying a lot for earnings, right? The price earnings ratio on the S&P 500, for example, is at 22 times, right? That's well above its sort of long-term average. So this is why we're so focused on earnings growth. To the extent we're going to make money in markets, it needs to come from earnings because valuations are, you know, have already sort of adjusted. Um, So that's the context. The good news is we're expecting very strong earnings this quarter. That Uh, is positive. (laughs) Well, absolutely. So, you know, growth in the US, you know, at least 25%, you know, year over year. And and we'll probably get twice that in Europe. And, you know, these are going to be the strongest growth rates, you know, that we've seen um, in the last decade, actually.
0: A lot of our listeners will be looking at these earnings reports potentially for the first time. And so there's going to be a lot of information which is coming out there and a lot of news written about the earnings reports. And so in your opinion, what are the key indicators that they should be keeping an eye on?
1: So so I actually think it's pretty simple, right? I think there's only two things to keep an eye on. One, do companies do better than we think they're going to do? So, you know, instead of when, when we're sitting at the end of the earnings season in a month's time, you know, did we see 25% earnings growth come out of the US or actually did we see 30 or 35? And I think we're going to see that stronger number, you know, for three reasons. I think the comparison base, you know, remember what, what first quarter last year looked like, right? We were going into, we were in the middle of COVID, you know, going into recession. I mean, it was pretty bleak. Yeah, everything was on the downward spiral. Right. And, and you know, fine, things may not feel so great now, but they're a lot better than they were this time last year. You know, secondly, you know, along with this recovery, we're seeing just unprecedented amounts of sort of government support, fiscal spending and, and interest rates are at zero. You know, central banks have been slashing interest rates. And this has been, you know, very supportive for economies and for companies and, and companies have been busy. Right. I mean, um, you know, they've been cutting costs. Right. I and mean, it's been a tough environment. They've been cutting costs. Now they're beginning to see things getting a bit better. Those new revenues are coming against a lower cost base. So I think those are the sort of three drivers which I think are going to drive that sort of surprise in earnings. So instead of 25%, uh, I think you're going to see closer to 30, 35. And the second thing I would say, and, and it's related to this, is you know, what are companies now saying about the future? I mean, Remember, markets are very forward-looking, right? They're, they're, they don't really care what happened yesterday. They're very concerned about what's happening sort of next week, next month. Uh, so I think you know, as economies keep recovering and, and keep reopening, Companies are now going to start being a lot freer about what they're saying about the future. They now can see what's happening in the future. You know, they're not locked down anymore. They're beginning to sort of plan for the future. Things are really, uh, really, really important because I think they're both going to be positive, right? I mean, I think the numbers are going to be bigger than expected. I think companies are going to be talking more about the future. And I think this is going to force analysts and investors to keep raising their earnings sort of growth expectations. And this means that valuations aren't as high as maybe they look today. Um, and I think this is a big sort of catalyst for you know driving the market sort of higher from here. You sound very
0: bullish on the the reports then, and obviously this is going to be a report showing over a year's worth of trade which has been affected by COVID. And so there was obviously been some winners and losers over this last year. Which are the sectors that you think are going to show some good numbers, and is there likely to be some surprises which people haven't really thought about?
1: Right. So I guess fundamentally, this is just a classic recovery rebound. And what that means is, you know, those that were most impacted by the recession last year, you know, will be seeing the strongest recovery, you know, this year. And it's sort of almost mathematical. So, you know, if you're a sector like consumer discretionary, which includes, you know, segments like cars, you know, clothing, apparel, restaurants, you had a terrible 2020. And um, things are getting incrementally better. But because they were so bad last year, even things getting a little bit better, you know, can look quite dramatic when, um, you know, you're you're, you're looking at these earnings numbers. You know, similarly things, energy, right? Energy prices actually went negative at some point last year, right? And now a barrel of oil is going to cost you $60, right? So that's a huge, huge change. You know, banks... You know, they generally do well when you know, bond yields go up because they can charge more for their loans. Um, and, you know, bond yields were very low last year and now they're higher this year. So, you know, those are the sorts of the sectors that I think you're going to be seeing, you know, the biggest, most impressive numbers from, if only because things were so bad last year and a little bit better this year. On the flip side, I think those numbers are going to look, you know, a bit more pedestrian are the people that did relatively well last year. You know, they don't have that sort of delta. They don't have that sort of huge rebound. So, you know, people like healthcare, people like utilities, you know, they're all good companies. They have great cash flows. But, um, you know, they don't have that sort of rate of change that, um, you know, those more cyclical, you know, segments um, have.
0: On this podcast over the last X number of months, we rave about e-commerce companies being, you know, this is their moment and they're really seizing the opportunity so do you think that's going to continue once um, kind of lockdown is easing or do you think people are going to go back to the, how they were before lockdown?
1: So, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of both. Right. I mean, right now, as I say, you know, the, the people that are going to be posting the sort of biggest numbers are the people that did you know, really badly last year. And the people that aren't going to be looking are going to look a bit more pedestrian. They're going to be the people like tech. Right. I mean, they had a really good time last year. You know, can that continue this year? I would argue yes, right? They were already growing pretty strongly for a whole bunch of sort of structural reasons, you know, coming into the recession last year. The recession obviously accelerated some of that. But I think these are trends that, you know, are really really here to stay. So, you know, I, I would say sort of cyclical versus structural. I mean, there's some sort of cyclical noise here when we compare how bad things were last year with things getting a little bit better, but don't lose sight of that sort of long-term sort of structural trend and who's going to benefit from that, right? I mean, we're, we're using more tech now than we did yesterday, and I think that's just going to continue. But, you know, just to put some sort of numbers on all of this, uh, right, the scale of things that we're looking about. I mean, the global economy last year fell over 3%. This year, it's going to rebound 6%. You know, it's a pretty big change this year versus last year. Yeah, and big earnings swing. are even more sensitive than that right? Global earnings last year. So what companies were actually, you know, reporting was down 15%. You know, the economy was only down three. But this year, we think earnings are going to be up at least 30. So, you know, earnings much more sensitive than the economy. You know, that's bad when the economy is weak. But uh, when the economy is rebounding strongly, like it is right now, uh, that's a train that, you know, you want to be aligned with.
0: So following on from that, and talking about the economy. So as I said, lockdowns obviously easing. And so is the market sentiment positive? Are we expecting this, you say 6% um, movement? Um, is, are we expecting that to continue now as industry effectively comes back to full operation?
1: Yes. I mean, that's a good question, right? I mean, markets are up, as we talked in the beginning 10%. You know, uh, They wouldn't be there if people were, well, people were bearish, right? I mean, you know, people need to be buying equities for the market to go up. Uh, so the question is are they bullish enough? Are they positive enough? And I would argue probably not. I mean, I think as we've sort of outlined, Yes, those sort of numbers look high. We're looking for 25% U.S. earnings growth. You know, it's the biggest number in 10 years. I would argue that number is still too low. I would argue, you know, if we do this podcast again in a month's time, we're going to look back on this earnings season, and I would hope earnings are up 30 or 35%, not 25%. So, um, I mean, it may sound we'll crazy have to come to say back it.
0: then in, in a month's time to well, see how how it does. Uh, how it does. <laughs> I'm probably digging a big hole for myself here.
1: But, but uh, you know, yes. So, you answered your question. Yes, people are bullish. They're right to be bullish. But I think the argument is, um, you know, are they bullish enough?
0: Great. Okay. Well, let's move on to topic two then, which is all about the March Consumer Price Index report, which was released this week. Um, so, with the reopening of the economy, what were the headline stats? And was this what you expected?
1: Right. So, you know, why, why do we care about inflation, right? I mean, the good news is that, you know, economic growth and earnings are recovering very quickly. You know, we've talked about that. The more cautious news uh, is that prices of goods and, and inflation are also recovering strongly. And that's, you know, obviously, you know, less good. Uh, you know, on the one hand, it's a good problem to have, as it means that, you know, things are obviously, you know, getting better. But you can't have too much of a good thing, right? I mean, if it gets out of hand, then, you know, central banks and policymakers will have to respond and they will raise interest rates. And that will cool growth uh, as well as inflation. And we're and having this sort of conversation because inflation is now starting to rise. Uh, and it will continue to do so. But I do think, you know, we're a very long way from, you know, central banks having to respond to that and interest rate you know, having to be increased. We
0: talk about it having increased, um, so the consumer price index or CPI increased 2.6 percent from the same time a year ago, and that's actually the highest year-over-year gain since August 2018. So a big, big jump.
1: What sectors
0: have been the ones which have really contributed to this movement?
1: Right. So I guess as you point out, you know, 2.6 percent. You know, if you talk about inflation all day, I mean, that's a scary number, right? Uh, when you first see it, and, and if you understand that the world's sort of largest central bank, which is, you know, the US Fed, has an inflation target of only 2%. So basically, they're telling you, you know, if inflation goes over 2%, we're going to start raising interest rates. And oh, look, we've just reported 2.6%. So why are they not, you know, so people are worrying about that they're going to raise interest rates. That's a mistake, right? And, and I think that's a mistake for, you know, a couple of reasons. One, you know, 2.6%, that number is not as bad as it looks. There's a lot of sort of transitory factors at work there you know inflation was very low or negative you know this time last year so you know we're coming off this sort of very low base of of comparison there's been a lot of sort of covid disruption at sort of factories and transport networks around the world you know factories closed border problems you know let alone the sort of blockage of the Suez Canal you know who saw that coming but um, but you know I did
0: did enjoy the memes after it though Uh, it it cost billions um, (laughs) to the trade industry but the memes were worth it
1: (laughs) So so there you go. But, you know, you take all that together, you know, that's obviously helped sort of push up inflation. Um, But I think the point is that, um, you know, this is transitory, it's going to sort of work out over time. Don't take that to a 2.6% number, you know, and extrapolate it and say, oh, look, the Fed's going to have to raise interest rates now. It's not as bad as it looks.
0: But well, it was interesting that the Fed actually came out with a comment a couple of days before it was announced saying that if the number happens to be over 2%, nothing to worry about, guys. You know, this is in line with what we're, we're expecting. So they kind of tried to downplay that number even before it was released, just so the markets didn't react. But then looking at some of the more specifics on it, gasoline had a 9.1% gain in March which equates to half the overall CPI increase, and that's a and half year-on-year growth. I mean, 2.6% increase might not be that much, but 9.1% is massive. Now, as I said before, there's a lot of listeners who might be newer to the markets, and it would be great if you can kind of just give an ex- explanation to people what could have actually caused this to happen.
1: Right. So, you know, I talked about sort of transitory issues that sort are of driving inflation, you know, up you know, this sort of low base of last year, some of these sort of supply bottlenecks, but, you know, energy has been our uh, oil prices have been another big one. And, and and I think we'll continue to be so over the next sort of few months, right? So next month, for example, I think inflation in the US is going to be over three and a half percent, right? So 2.6% is going to become three and a half percent. So if you're worried this month, you get even more worried next month. But again, I, I just think it's the same, you know, it's the same process, right? I mean, we're lapping these very low numbers. And, and as I say, you know, and oil's a big part of that, right? Oil now, but sort of sixty dollars a barrel is four times what it was this time last year, and you know oil demand has started to recover as economies have sort of you know opened up. You know these oil producers, you know Saudi Arabia, are you know being disciplined about how much oil they, they want to produce because they know that demand is, is is sort of reasonably weak. But you know this basically means that you know if you're driving your car around, you're paying more at the pump now than you than, than you were a year ago, and you know that consumer price index is meant to reflect what you spend your money on. So um, you know, it's, it's part of the inflation measurement. It's part of the inflation basket. But I, again, it, I think it's, you know, it is transitory. You know, last year was sort of the aberration. We're just sort of lapping that. And, and you know, in a few months, we've got a few months of sort of high numbers to come. But once that sort of begins to fall out of the system, I think inflation will come down a little bit. And um, central banks are going to be raising interest rates at some point in the future, um, just, uh, just not now.
0: Well, my next question kind of follows on from what you've just been saying there. So the Fed have been um, saying that they expect these increases to only be temporary. And so it sounds like you share their optimism that it's not here to stay or, you know, it's not here for the next four or five months.
1: So, 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 yes, I think the inflation numbers are going to keep moving higher over the next few months. I mean, I think the reason we're focusing so much on the March report was it's really the first big increase that we've sort of been expecting, you know, as we compare March this year with, uh, you know, with, with, March, with, with March last year. But yes, I, I you know, I do think these issues are transitory or temporary. That doesn't mean you don't need to keep an eye on them. I mean, I think you do. It was, you know, we could certainly be wrong. But I do think they work themselves out over the next few months. I think, you know, as you mentioned, you know, central banks like the US Fed have been very public saying that, you know, they are going to be cautious raising interest rates. You know, they really want to see that this recovery is secure and that underlying inflation is sustainably moving up rather than just being driven by sort of transitory effects. So, you know, watch this space. But I think, um, you know, the conclusion for now, it is, it is transitory and, and central banks are going to be very cautious about raising interest rates.
0: Moving on to one of uh, the favorite topics of this uh, podcast, which is all things crypto. <laughs> Crypto traders are actually very interested in this report as well, aren't they? Because um, some obviously see Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation. We've just seen Bitcoin spike to sort of $62,000 this week. And so do you feel that's a direct correlation to this report or other outside factors as well, kind of adding to the Bitcoin train, as it were?
1: Well, so, so Bitcoin's now, you know, all time high. I think one of the reasons for that, um, and I think there are many, but one of the reasons for that is, yes, it's an asset that's increasingly seen uh, as an inflation hedge and obviously inflation expectations and worries you know, have been rising, as, as, as we've discussed. But I also think there's, there's clearly other issues at, at play here. I mean, we're seeing you know, further signs of the so-called institutionalization, uh, you know, Bitcoin, you know, we're seeing more companies, more large investors like pension and mutual funds you know, looking to be invested in the asset, um, you know, really for the first time. And obviously, given their size, you know, that could be a really significant market driver. I mean, just to put some sort of you know, big picture numbers on that, I mean, the overall crypto market cap is, you know, just over $2 trillion right now. But if you look just in the United States, I mean, forget about the rest of the world, just in the United States, at the amount of retail and sort of institutional uh, liquid savings, so savings, are, you know, are available to be invested, it's $17 trillion. So, you know, I, I think this is why people are getting you know excited about this sort of institutionalization process, which has really sort of just begun. So, so I think, you know, the inflation hedge is, is definitely been a driver, but I, I think there are others at work as well.
0: Yeah, the institutional play is definitely a big thing, along with um, a lot of businesses starting to accept Bitcoin. And it's interesting to see um, the recent IPO news from Coinbase. You know, that that's a big IPO they've done. What is it? 149 billion that they've been valued at.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? And, and I guess, you know, really does feed into this institutionalization story, right? I mean, whatever that size is, you know, 50 billion, 150 billion, uh, it's going to be by an order of magnitude, the biggest pure crypto play in equity market. You know, the next biggest, you know, if you look at the biggest miners, you look at the other, you know, exchanges that are listed, you know, the market caps are 5 billion. So, you know, this is an order of magnitude bigger, and I think it's going to force sort of investors attention. Uh, on crypto and and give people a sort of big new sort of liquid sort of play. So I would definitely see it as, you know, again, another big step forward in this sort of institutionalization story. Great.
0: Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Before we wrap things up, is there anything else that you think people should be keeping an eye on in the next kind of week?
1: Well, for me, as I say, it's all about earnings. I mean, you want to see those earnings numbers come in better than expected. You know, the market reaction to that inflation report we've been talking about has been um, very good to see. Markets seem reasonably relaxed. They seem to be sort of certainly listening to to our views that they should, uh, you know, look through these sort of big headline numbers that they're maybe not as scary uh, as they seem. But, you know, uh, long may that continue. So I guess, you know, those are two things that we're, um, you know, we'll certainly be looking at over the next um, over the next month or so.
0: Brilliant. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's podcast. You can learn more about the markets by visiting our eToro Trading School. We look forward to catching up with you all next week. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.